5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man. Philip the Ref Hilkington on the ones and twos. A little Guitar Hero 3 throwback there. That is. That is. That is. I see. I picked that up. Welcome to the Patrick Johnson Show. P-Man on the ESPN Plus call tonight between ECU and UCF. That comes your way at 7 o'clock if you want to check that out. In the meantime, it's our Pirate Game Day edition. Countdown edition of the Patrick Johnson shows we lead you in the network coverage at 6:30 between ECU and UCF at Menzies Coliseum, the second conference or the third conference game for the Pirates this year. They currently sit one and one in conference play. UCF also one and one as well. A lot of interesting news and notes. Something that just broke out um, after our show yesterday. C.J. Johnson, star wide receiver for the Pirates, is officially declared for the 2023. NFL draft. I think there's no surprise there. CJ had a really good year. Um, and now you're talking about three like really huge pillars of your offense. And I'm not even including Noah Henderson in that one, but he should also probably be included. And Avery Jones. And Avery Jones. So all right, we five. There you go. Five pillars of your offense right there. Um declaring for the NFL draft. One of them in this case, uh, out of those five transferring to Illinois and Avery Jones. CJ Johnson, Keith Mitchell, Holt Nailers. All gone, as well as Noah Henderson. CJ had a great year. Um, it's great to see how uh, things happen in the offseason with the suspension and all that. He was able to bounce back and put him in it, himself in a position for a uh, pro contract. And even if he doesn't make the NFL, which I think he should, and I think he would, there should be no problem there. There's plenty of pro opportunities, like I always say, nowadays with the USFL and the XFL coming around. Um, uh, I, I don't care. I don't, catch this as a surprise whatsoever what do you say philip no i don't i think maybe technically had an extra year of eligibility left because of covid but so many guys are not using that extra year if they got to play because with that extra year of playing is an extra year of schooling and all that and he's going to graduate so unless you're really planning on going to grad school finishing grad school yeah uh, i mean there's really no point he's already been in school for what i think five years or something he came in with holton so yeah. yeah so yeah, I I don't see this as a surprise. We wish him the best. Obviously, uh, looking forward to his pro day. That'll be here in a couple months. That and, would be uh, interesting. Hopefully, there'll be some scouts there, like you said, from the NFL as well as some of the other leagues in case the NFL doesn't work out. CJ's an interesting prospect because of his size. He's a lengthy fellow at the wide receiver position. But we also know that he has that speed, and I think the forty time, of course, for every receiver, it's important, but will be especially important to him, especially with the trend of receivers we're seeing nowadays. You know, we're seeing guys with size like DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Williams really starting to thrive in the league. Um, CJ, not necessarily can say be on that level. I'm not going to take it that far. But he kind of fits that mold. It all just depends on what that 40 times looking like. 
And CJ, we could very well see him playing on Sundays if that's the case. Like it said, like you said, it comes down to his pro day and it really comes down to his combine. Yeah, I think so. And obviously, um, you know, it comes down to uh, a character thing. And yeah. hopefully the coaches maybe don't find out about that little suspension he had. Uh, yeah. They probably will. But the one thing that um, is the fact that he is a hard worker and he is passionate. And they're going to, you know, when they meet C.J. Johnson, that's what they're going to find out. This is not a guy who goes out there and is just going through the motions on the field. I mean, you can tell he, you know, he wears his heart on a sleeve. And, uh, and NFL coaches like that. They like a guy who cares that much about winning. And I don't know if I've ever seen somebody who cares so much about winning and is passionate as C.J. Johnson. Absolutely. I'm just some random uh, – I'm no NFL GM. I'm just some swinging Tom, Dick, and Harry here. But um, if I was an NFL GM, I would appreciate the fact that he showcased growth and his character coming off that suspension really turned everything – I don't want to say necessarily on the field because we always knew he was a great player, but he finally submitted himself with a 1,000-yard uh, receiving season once again. And, uh, you know, his character, he really changed things around off the field. And uh, I would like, if I'm a GM, I would like to see growth. People that have changed, that have overcome, not necessarily adversity, but their own personal struggles and their demons, to uh, focus at the task at hand and better themselves and do the betterment, or uh, do better themselves basically for the betterment of the team. And I think C.J. Johnson has done that. I've had the opportunity to meet him a couple weekends ago, really twice, twice, unexpectedly, did not seek my, did not seek him out. He did not seek me out, but I got to speak to him offhand. He's a really nice guy. Um, I think he's, based on what I've heard, he's really changed. He's really showcased a lot of growth, and I'm very happy for him. And he's another one of those guys, much like Holton Ehlers, stuck it out the whole time, never transferred or hit the transfer. We give Holton a lot of credit for that. There's a lot of other guys like CJ who were um, a big part of turning this thing around, who stuck around the full time through the dark, dismal days of that garbage dumpster fire that was the Scotty Moe era, sticking it out under a new regime of Mike Houston. Um, sometimes maybe they didn't necessarily see his way. I mean, Mike Houston was very adamant and very open about the fact guys might have not have liked me when I first got here, but they stuck it out and got this program back on track, back-to-back bowl appearances, and now a bowl win to finish it when it's all said and done and get part na- um, nation and part football back to its former glory. And uh, congratulations to him. I mean, this is a guy that deserves nothing but praise. And once again, like Holton, I think he's got a really good story. No, I think he does. And you mentioned, you know, a GM liking to see a guy grow. I think also the the kind of the good thing if you're a GM, there was a time where C.J. Johnson probably thought he wasn't ever going to play football again, and he knows what it's like to have that feeling taken away. And that almost sometimes for a GM is a little more – you know, inviting than a guy who maybe hasn't had issues because feels your passion. You, yeah, you know it, and it also they understand what that can mean and what their actions, the consequences to their actions, can be as opposed to a guy who you know maybe hasn't made that first mistake yet. Everybody deserves a second chance. C.J. Johnson got it, or in the words of Mike Houston, he earned it because yeah. supposedly he had to pay for it. But um, you know, he's done that, and like you said, you know, loyalty. Yep. Loyalty is a big thing when, you know, like you said, the previous regime here was not as good. And then when Mike Houston first got here, obviously it took him a while to turn this program around, as it would anybody. You know, you can't just snap your fingers and then yeah. all of a sudden you're winning eight games in a year. And the fact that he stuck it out shows his loyalty. And that's another thing truly inviting if you're an NFL GM or head coach. Absolutely. You know, most people listen to this and be like, well, why can't you just congratulate him without telling all that or like the difficult part of the negative aspect of his story? Well, I see it as a positive. I see it as a win. I think it's a good story. And also, you can't tell the tale of C.J. Johnson without it. 
I mean, it's something that has to be acknowledged that when it's all said and done at the end of the day, it's his story. It's what happened. People are not going to ignore it. NFL GMs are not going to ignore it. NFL media is not going to ignore it. It's something that's going to be brought up in interviews at the combine, at his pro day. It's something he's going to have to deal with, and it's something that has to be mentioned. Nonetheless, congratulations to him. A great pirate that will forever be submitted with a historical pirate program here um, in the 2022 season. The program that will forever be known as the one that got it back on track after some dark and dismal days. Um, we're keeping you locked in here on the Patrick Johnson Show. A couple quick news and notes. Um, obviously, the big story out of all sports right now is that obviously what happened with DeMar Hamlin on Monday night. The latest report um, from ESPN says that DeMar Hamlin is showing signs of improvement, according to the Buffalo Bills. So that's definitely good to hear. Last we heard, he was under critical condition, needed a breathing tube. Um, the latest statement says that he's expected to remain under intensive care as his healthcare team continues to monitor and treat him. So we hope all is well. Um, at this point, football is not important. It's just a matter that he can move on and live a healthy and fulfilling life after a traumatic event. And when you go to play football, nobody expects something like that to happen. It's just a game. You know, we put a little bit too much into it. We buy a little bit too much into it. But at the end, it's a game. That's all it is. Nobody goes out there with the intent or with the, uh, the thought in the back of their mind that I could possibly die out here or I could possibly, um, you know, sustain a major injury that puts my life at risk. Nobody thinks that way. No, you don't. I mean, you probably don't think about it in any sport. I think maybe in the auto racing world, especially when you look at, you know, like dirt say, bikes and I'd stuff. I'd say boxing, though. Boxing <laughs> yeah. and then fighting, yeah. you definitely think about it. But, you know, in football, obviously you think of – ACLs, Achilles, yeah. broken bones, and, you know, even, unfortunately, you know, paralysis has been a you know, yeah. thing that's happened many times. But when you think about death, I mean, that's not something you really think of in that sport. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, still, I guess, could possibly happen. But the good news is it sounds like uh, he's making a turn for the better. Yeah, a couple quick other news and notes here. Um, apparently, he's still sedated two days later here on a Wednesday. Um, but they hope to see him um, healthy and awake here in the coming days. That's what expect, or that's what is, is expected from his doctors, according to this report to um, ESPN. So definitely good to hear. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I was not familiar with Demar Hamlin, and I think a lot of people were not familiar with Demar Hamlin going into that game. Um, I think he was only a second-year safety out of Pitt, um, kind of a relatively unknown and new player to that Bills defense. But now everybody knows his name, and uh, it's definitely a guy that's going to be in everybody's thoughts and prayers. Not in ne necessarily the way you wouldn't want to be a household name, but maybe this can bring a lot of good for the NFL. Uh, maybe we'll see some kind of improvements to their health moving forward. Maybe not some NASCAR improvements, but because uh, NASCAR improvements are never good. But uh, <laughs> it's true. This yeah. this car this year was bad. Yeah, yeah. But uh, nonetheless, maybe we'll see some changes in the NFL. That would be for the betterment of players. And at the end of the day, you can say, you know, they know what's at risk. You know, they they uh, they earn millions of dollars. Screw them. First of all, you're a very negative, abrasive person, and you're not fun at parties. But second of all, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a game. And those guys work. They're the best at their – they're the very best. They're playing at the highest level. And at the end of the day, it's just a game. Nobody goes into it um, with that thought in mind or with even that potential scenario – in mind at the end of the day these are people and I think we've kind of 
lost sight of that, especially with the C.J. Johnson. I think that tried a lot of Pirate fans. We forget the fact he's a kid and he's a person. And we all we we're all people. We all learned. To, uh, thanks, ESPN. We all learned to move on. We all learned to be better. We all learned. We all learned from our mistakes. But this is not necessarily the case of Mar Hamlin. I'm just saying these are all people. Even if they earn millions of dollars and they can be obnoxious, they're all people playing a game. No, I think it's interesting bringing that up because I think back in the day, you know, we really did look at this sports as entertainment yeah. and a game. And now it really is. It's like we, people, they act like it's their livelihood. Yeah. Right? It doesn't affect their life whatsoever. Yeah. And, yeah. But, we, and, but because of that, not only do we do that, but we, you know, we put these athletes on this pedestal that really, like you said, almost like they're superheroes or God. They don't even put themselves on yeah, that pedestal. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. And, uh, well, maybe there's a couple maybe of Maybe some, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, there's, most you know, of them don't, though. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're still people, right? I mean, if they if they bleed, they still bleed red just like you and I. Um, you know, their heart still beats the same. They're, st- they're still human, so. Yeah. Coming up on the Patrick Johnson Show, we'll hear comments from Mike Schwartz from yesterday as we get ready for ECU and UCF, their third conference game of the season and some interesting notes from the Washington Commanders. Another change at quarterback. Is Ron Rivera fighting for his job? All that and much more on the other side here on the Patrick Johnson Show. The pitch. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. That ball is gone. On your flagship home of Pirate Baseball. 94.3 The Game. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report brought to you by our pirate partners, Moore's Old Time Barbecue Chicken and Seafood. Bring the whole family for great food. If it's not Moore's, it's less. Caripsy Restaurant in Emerald Isle. Exceptional steak, locally sourced seafood, and delicious signature cocktails. Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color. Eastern North Carolina's Fantastic Sam's are locally owned and operated to make you look great. It's game day, Pirate Nation, and the Pirates will welcome the UCF Knights, a team that prides themselves on defense under head coach Johnny Dawkins. Coach Schwartz talked about the Knights' defense earlier this week. Well, I mean, they're just like Wichita State. They're one of the best defensive teams in the conference. I mean, they're right up there with Houston and Wichita State. I mean, they have to give up 60 points a game. They guard the three-point line. They're big. They're physical. They got big guards that keep you out of the paint. They can mix it up with the zone press back to man, the zone press back to zone defense, a lot like Wichita State did. And they can block shots. They're averaging four, you know, block shots per game. Uh, you know, players that are playing at the guard position can go, you know, give your guards a hard time at the rim. So they got good size. They rebound the basketball well. Anytime you're a really good defensive rebounding team, it elevates your defense. So we, we know what kind of challenge it's going to be for us to be effective on offense. Tip-off for that game is scheduled for 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage starting at 6.30 with the Patrick Johnson Show leading you in starting at 5. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report. I'm Philip Pilkington. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's Kids Night at Moore's Barbecue. Let us take care of dinner tonight for your little ones every Wednesday night. Kids 10 and under eat free with the purchase of an adult meal. So come into one of our five locations in Winterville, New Bern, Moorhead City, Swansboro, and Jacksonville. Bring the whole family. There's always enough great food for everyone. If it's not Moore's, it's less. Tis the season for connection, and U.S. Cellular is celebrating by offering any phone free for everyone, any brand, any storage, for new and current customers. Plus, our price protection guarantee means that your rates won't go up. That's locally grown connection. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Visit us in-store or online for details on getting any phone free today. 
Hey, you've been waiting all year to replace your old phone, and now the Christmas deals are finally here. The team at Cellular Warehouse has loaded up with free phones for everybody. That's right, free baby. Don't wait because these deals will not last for long. Call Toby Williams today at 252-799-7051 and let one of their experienced sales associates come right to your office or home. Cellular Warehouse, your local U.S. Cellular authorized agent. The only agents that deliver phones, tablets, and routers right to your front door. Call them today at 252-799-7051. See right Baseball lives right here on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barn filling for the P-Man as he gets ready for the ESPN Plus broadcast tonight at 7 o'clock. Between the Pirates and UCF, we're leading you in the network coverage at 6.30 for a special hour-and-a-half edition Pirate Game Day Countdown slash Patrick Johnson show here as the ECU Pirates take on the UCF Knights and Menji's Coliseum. The 1,000th ECU broadcast for Jeff Charles. He'll be joined by Coach Michael Perry as an analyst, which we'll hear from later on in the final 30 minutes of the show right here on the Patrick Johnson show as he previews tonight's game. Uh, taking a look at some comments that Mike Schwartz said yesterday in today's Pirate Report. Um, go ahead and play the open here. Pirate Report open. Let's go. You rearranged the wall on me, Ben. Where is it? I don't even know where it is anymore. Should be. Okay. All right. Well, never mind. Sorry. We'll ditch it. We'll ditch it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. sorry. You, you messed me up We're here. not the professionals here. We're the amateurs. <laughs> Moving on, let's get right into Mike Schwartz. Here's his open statement as they get prepared for the Knights here tonight. Great respect for Coach Dawkins and UCF's program, uh, and it's going to be a great challenge for us, one of the better teams in the league. And They've been really tested all season long. They've been in a lot of close games. They've won big games. They've had a really strong schedule, as strong as anybody in the conference, and obviously uh, what they just did in terms of playing Houston at Houston in the game they did, they, you know, they played there and they were right there in that game. So a uh, great challenge for us coming up tomorrow night. UCF very similar to ECU record-wise. UCF two or ten and four, ECU ten and five, both one and one in conference play. So it should be a very interesting matchup here. Somebody's going to finish two and one. Somebody's going to come out one and two. Moving on, he talks about the return of Brandon Suggs, the big storyline coming into this game. Will fans boo? Will they cheer? I'm not going to chime into that argument, but Mike Schwartz gives his thoughts on Brandon Suggs returning to Menji's Coliseum. Yeah, I got a chance to meet Brandon at a team meeting, and I got a chance to uh, be around him one practice. Seems like a wonderful kid, you know, but I only got a chance to coach him for one practice and meet him that one time. So I know he's playing well. Their team is playing well. They're one of the best teams in the conference. So you know he'll be excited to come back. It's an American Conference game back where he played. So, uh, you know, that'll be, you know, he's a really good player. All right, I'll give you your answer. You should cheer when he comes out and boo during the game. There you go. All settled, all done. Schwartz on Wichita State win a huge win for the Pirates. Wichita State actually second to last in the standings now, but stood at 7-7 seven and seven so far in their season. Pirates won their very first game against Wichita State on the road at Wichita, which I believe is one of their premier venues in the AAC. Schwartz talks about the impact of that win over the Wheat Shockers. 
You know, I, I, you know, I've been asked about that quite a bit, and I think the biggest thing is that it was a conference win. It was a conference road win. I mean, that we know how important and how hard those are to come by, and, and wherever you can get them. And so much respect for Wichita State's program and the basketball history they have. And and obviously, you know, they had a certain record uh, versus ECU up until the, you know the other day. But regardless, it, really, the confidence stems from just a, a, a conference win, and being on the road makes it that much better. Because winning on the road, it doesn't matter conference or non-conference, is just so different. And then he talked about how they can build off that Wichita State game moving forward. Uh, just to hopefully continue with our defense. I think it's four games now uh, pretty consistently that our defense at least is, is trending the right direction in terms of what we want to be about and who we want to be defensively. So we want to keep building there. I thought our ball movement was much better in the Wichita State game than it was in the Temple game. So you hope we can keep building on that as well. We ran a lot better. You know, we ran pretty good versus Temple, but we finished in the Wichita State game. We made some, you know, some challenge layups in the full court and we finished around the rim, which really hurt us. And then obviously, you know, everybody was talking about it, the free throws. Uh, we shot the ball from the free throw line well on the road and we took care of the ball two things you have to do to win on the road and you hope that continues you just you know that's nothing you can guarantee but obviously we shot the ball well free throw wise uh, the other day and you know it's going to sound like i'm beating a dead horse here and that i'm patting the pirates on the back um like much like many people do while they're unc and duke basketball fans and they just root for the pirates whenever they get a big win but wichita state you could say, well, this team's 7-7. Seven and seven. They're the second to last in the conference. It's not that big of a win. Well, you factor in that literally we haven't done it before. We don't normally get those wins. In this case, we had never gotten that win before. And, yeah, it's pretty damn huge, especially in the first year under Mike Schwartz and pretty much a complete rebuild. Yeah, that's big. And one of the premier venues in the American at Wichita State, a team that has tradition and history in their basketball program, yeah, it's huge, dummy. Get over it. Moving on, we got uh, Mike Schwartz talking about having a small rotation. It seems like he's got his starters clear cut. It's looking like moving forward, Javon Small, R.J. Felton, Ezra, Brandon Johnson. And then that uh, other forward spot's kind of tentative, but it seems like Jaden Walker's going to be the guy moving forward. That's the way it's been for the past couple of games. He talks about getting set on rotation uh, with this, these starters moving forward. Yeah, I think that is, you know, I think that's a big deal. I think anytime the rotation's a little bit smaller, I think you get guys that probably have a little bit more of a comfort zone in terms of what they're trying to do. Uh, that being said, everybody practices. I mean, for example, Ben Baella didn't play versus Wichita State. I mean, he was awesome in practice yesterday. I mean, he had one of the better practices he's had all year long. So um, I, I think the team is pretty connected defensively, uh, but whenever you play eight guys and three or four guys are playing 30-plus minutes and we could stay out of foul trouble, I think that definitely helped. Mike Schwartz talks about uh, kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit later on, and that's the importance of off-ball movement and really just having great ball movement in this game, as by our very own Philip Pilkington. One of the most unselfish plays you can make in basketball is moving without the basketball, is setting a screen, is doing something where the ball might not be in your hands. It may not even be getting ready to be in your hands, but you're just creating what we call gravity, maybe just moving the defense, making the defender maybe flatten out to the baseline because of your movement, opening something else for something up top, whether it's a ball screen or a drive or whatever it may be. And I think we, when we get caught a little stagnant, is when we're not moving off the basketball, when we're not moving and cutting. And, you know, we were better with that versus Wichita. Um, another thing that was brought up, and I thought it was very interesting, when you look at the starting lineup, not a lot of size in this lineup. Your two biggest guys is 6'9", freshman forward Ezra Ozar, and 6'8", forward Brandon Johnson. 
Outside of that, your biggest guy is Luigi Debo, who's really an outlier because the next tallest player is Ezra at 6'9". Luigi is 7 feet and hasn't seen a lot of playing time. And uh, it both pegs the question, um, how are they rebounding so well in this recent stretch despite being pretty much outsized? Uh, Mike Schwartz talks a little bit about that, being able to rebound despite being outsized and cut eight here, Philip. Yeah, I think so. We talk about it. We've talked about it with our guys. We talk. I've spoken about it with the media before that we know this, that we are outsized a lot of time in terms of whether it be depth in the front court or just sheer size. Um, number two, we do make a huge emphasis on it every day in practice, both offensive and defensive rebounding. If you look at our defensive rebounding numbers over the last few games, I mean, Brandon obviously is standing out and so proud of what he's doing as a defensive rebounder, and he's taking great pride in it. But a big thing for us is our guards rebounding. I mean, when Jaden Walker and Javon Small and R.J. Felton can all go rebound the basketball, that's it. we need it. It's it's a big deal for us. And then, you know, Luigi came in the game and gave us some good physical minutes when he came in rebounding the ball. But it's something we have to work on every day. I think all teams do it, but we have to really emphasize it uh, because maybe we don't have, like you said, quite the size up front. UCF, a very well-coached uh, defensive group, holding uh, defenses or their opponents about 38% field goal percentage shooting, one of the best in the country in that aspect. And when you look at points allowed per game, um, their opponents are averaging 60.4 points a game. That's good enough for 19th best in the country for UCF in terms of points allowed per game. Um, Mike Schwartz talks a little bit about the Knights' defense, which has been really good so far this year in a tough non-conference schedule. Well, I mean, they're just like Wichita State, they're one of the best defensive teams in the conference. I mean, they're right up there with Houston and Wichita State. I mean, they give up 60 points a game. They guard the three-point line. They're big. They're physical. They got big guards. They keep you out of the paint. They can mix it up with the zone press back to man, a zone press back to zone defense, a lot like Wichita State did. And they can block shots. They're averaging four, you know, block shots per game. Uh, you know, players that are playing at the guard position can go, you know, give your guards a hard time at the rim. So they got good size. They rebound the basketball well. Anytime you're really good defensive rebounding team it elevates your defense so we, we know what kind of challenge it's going to be for us to be effective on offense you look at the conference a lot of very competitive teams in this conference we know what we have with Houston but Tulane beating probably the uh, 1A 1B team in the conference in Memphis and uh, Memphis also a great group and then some pleasant surprises in UCF and Temple as well among many other really good competitive schools in this conference Mike Schwartz just praises the AAC here for being very competitive and one of the marquee programs, or not marquee programs, but marquee conferences in college basketball right now. Yeah, without a doubt about I mean, uh, Temple, I to play Temple in here and then go to Wichita State. When I was at Tulsa, you know, I had a familiarity with this conference and played at Temple and, and played against them. And Wichita State, we played. They weren't in the American at the time. They were still in the Missouri Valley. But we had a series with them, and they had Fred Van Fleet, and they had Ron Baker, and they had a really good team. So point is that going into coming into this season I knew what kind of conference this was and you know we haven't even talked about a team like Houston which obviously everybody is chasing everyone is trying to emulate their success or Memphis and it, it, the list goes on we could start talking about all the teams so first two games between Temple and Wichita State two story programs two great coaches and we're fortunate that we we're able to get one of those uh, in terms of a win. Looking at the conference the only team in the conference that has a losing record collectively um, combined with non-conference and conference play, is only one team, and that's Tulsa, who is four nine on the season. Outside of that, everybody's sitting at five hundred or above five hundred. So I think that's definitely something um, that deserves some praise for this conference. Not a lot of conferences in college basketball 
are sitting that way right now as we speak um, in general. So definitely something to celebrate. Definitely shows just or just showcases how competitive and how good this conference can be. And look no further than these records right now with Tulsa being the only losing team sub 500 in the conference right now as we head in the conference play. Coming up, a uh, very interesting dilemma going on with the Commanders right now. They're on their third starting quarterback of the year, and it's a name a lot of people may be familiar with. Is Ron Rivera fighting for his job? All that and much more on the other side right here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Patrick Mornings, Adam Gold Middays, Patrick Johnson on the way home. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. Right, let's go. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. If you want the best steak in Eastern North Carolina, then remember this name. The Seahorse Steakhouse, 2301A Stantonsburg Road in Greenville. They serve USDA prime ribeyes aged 50 days, cooked to perfection by Crystal. The Seahorse Grillmaster, guaranteed to be tender and juicy. The Saturday Night Prime Rib is an experience you'll never forget. It's the most flavorful, tender piece of beef you'll ever eat. Delicious is an understatement. You're sure to leave full and satisfied. But if you have room to spare, a generous slice of one of their homemade cakes will take care of that. So the next time you want a really good steak in a relaxed family atmosphere, remember the home of Daddy's Steaks and Mama's Cakes. The Seahorse Steakhouse, Stantonsburg Road, Greenville. This isn't your regular cola. So this isn't your regular cola ad. No beach parties or family barbecues here. Just Nitro Pepsi, the first cola ever infused with nitrogen. So forget everything you thought you knew about soda, because that nitrogen gives us a whole new experience. Think an infusion of smaller bubbles for a cola that's got a lighter, smoother texture. And don't get me started on the pour. You don't pour this like any other cola. We're talking turn the can completely upside down and watch as those bubbles cascade into the glass to create a frothy, luxurious foam topping. Can your cola do that? I didn't think so. Unless you've got your own Nitro Pepsi, in which case, cheers to your great taste. Because you already know that the only thing better than the pour is the unapologetic cola taste. Ah. What else is there to say? From the creamy foam to the smooth texture to its unbelievably delicious flavor, this is cola like you've never had it before. Time to bring your taste buds to the next frontier. Nitro Pepsi. Smooth. Creamy. Delicious. My partners had told me I should get my knee replaced. I was in my 40s, and I decided that I wouldn't do that. That's orthopedic surgeon Dr. John Herzog, who found regenerative medicine years ago and became a believer. It changed my life around. It improved me to a point where I was able to jog again. That's when Dr. Herzog switched his focus from surgery to helping his patients with natural biologics. I've treated at least 5,000 patients. I believe your body has everything it needs to heal itself. Today, you'll find Dr. Herzog at QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in this exciting field of medicine that can give lasting pain relief with no downtime, no drugs, and no surgery. I have patients coming up to me that I did 10 years ago saying, you know, Doc, my elbow's still working great. I'm playing tennis three days a week. Call QC Kinetics now to explore alternative ways to deal with your pain. It's a free consultation. Call QC Kinetics, 252-765-PAIN. That's 252-765-7246. 
252-765-PAIN. Like us on Facebook for breaking sports stories and the latest from around the Pirate Nation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's 94.3 The Game's Facebook page. Like us and follow us there today. Work it, make it, do it. Makes us honor, better, faster, stronger. Not, not, not that, that don't kill me. Welcome back. This is Hashtag for the D-Man. Get set for ESPN Plus broadcast tonight, which you can see at 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus. Patrick Johnson on the call. No size Seymour, but Brittany Hoyt will step in. She's really good at what she does, really good at analysts. Uh, she's been calling some of the women's game this year, so it should still be a very good watch. Uh, if you can't catch that, this should be your first op- option. Check out network coverage right here on the flagship station, these two Pirates, 94.3 The Game, as Jeff Charles calling his 1,000th calling his ECU broadcast, the voice of the Pirates, of course, with Coach Michael Perry, will be on the call providing you live play-by-play coverage between ECU and UCF in Minji's Coliseum. Taking a look at the NFL, one of the big headlines besides DeMar Hamlin is the Commanders have named a new starting quarterback Versus the Cowboys for their regular season finale. Commanders officially eliminated from playoff contention. And the player is... Drum roll, please. Do a drum roll. Do we have one? No, we don't have one. You just got to do one, yeah. There we go, perfect. That's exactly what I pictured it. Sam Howell, former UNC quarterback, will be the starting quarterback for the Commanders. And the first question is, Why? Uh, because you drafted him, so you might as well give him a shot in the fifth round. But yeah, I mean, you're you're eliminated from playoff contention. Um, you know, Heineke's pretty much been the guy, their guy this year, and you have Carson Wentz, of course. But both of those guys have been subpar. Um, about the only thing you could say about Heineke is he's got a lot of heart. At least the players want to play for him. But you got to look towards the future now. Sam Howell seemingly looks like your future. A guy that many projected before uh, last college football season, to be a uh, day-one pick and a day-one start in the NFL, lost a lot of his talent due to the draft in his senior season or his last or his final season with UNC due to the draft and due to the transfer portal and had a subpar kind of cuppered season there. Um, so now he's in, he gets drafted in the fifth round to the Commanders, and seemingly it looks like they want to see what they got. Um, Sam Howe in the NFL, I'm not quite sure if it's going to work out or not, just because um, his decision-making was very questionable in his final year at UNC. Um, doesn't necessarily have the best size. Can be mobile when he wants to be, but a big thing comes down to decision-making, and you can't afford to make mistakes in the NFL, the quarterback position, especially in a, in a league nowadays where you're always looking or always willing to give that guy a chance or the next guy a chance. Yeah, no, I agree. And also, I think nowadays, too, with teams don't try and force three and outs. They kind of try to sell out for turnovers. Yep. So if you make bad decisions, they are definitely going to capitalize on them, and it's really going to punish you. But, you know, I'm with you. I don't think he's going to be the starter at any point in his career. But they're, you know, they draft him in the fifth round, like you said. They need to see if he is good enough to be a backup and a career backup. Uh, in this league, and I think that's the reason you got to give him one shot. I mean, like you said, it's week eighteen; uh, they're eliminated. I mean, what are you going to see from Carson Wentz or Taylor he- Taylor Heineke that you don't already know? Yeah, I think the big question is, what do you do with? Uh, and I hate to say it, what do you do with Ron Rivera moving forward? Is he the guy for you? 
uh, mainly because I think his conservative approach has really plagued him during his career post the Carolina Panthers and his final years in the Carolina Panthers. Um, with all these coaching prospects popping up, you got guys like Kellen Moore, um, Eric Bieniemy, and Greg Roman have yet to get a head coaching stint. Um, a couple other guys are popping up, like Byron Leftwich. Jim Harbaugh wants to come back to the league. Um, the um, what is it, Demarco Ryan's the uh, San Francisco defensive coordinator. You have all these coaching prospects popping up. It kind of begs the question: Do the Commanders start looking elsewhere? And uh, is it rightfully so? Is that a is that a rightful debate to bring up there when it comes to Ron Rivera and his coaching stint and his coaching future with the Commanders? Yeah, I think so because you know you kind of mentioned it. Uh, was it Monday that when you were upset yep. with Steve Wilkes, you know, not being you know maybe aggressive enough, where Ron kind of got complacent there at the end? And you have to be more an aggressive coach nowadays in this league. And also, I mean, I don't know if this is true or not. I didn't see it, but I was told that. He didn't realize that they were eliminated from losing. Is that true? <laughs> that in his post game press conference, they said something about you guys being eliminated. I did now, see and that. He didn't yeah, know? that was a comment from uh, the post game press conference last week. He was like, "Yeah, I didn't even realize that." Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on, dude. Um, I don't know. It yeah, it seems like he's kind of lost his touch. I mean, obviously, he was a decent head coach. He was there, two time coach of the year. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to take that away from him, but when you think of long tenured head coaches in this league. You know, looking back 20 years, I don't think Ron Rivera is going to be one of those guys. You're almost going to look back and be like, wow, he won two head coaches of the year. Um, he's definitely more of a defensive-minded guy. It's an offensive league now, and, uh, yeah, I would not be surprised uh, or totally disappointed. Not that you ever want to see a guy get fired, but if the uh, commanders would move on and, you know, try, try and get some new blood in there. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem that's been plaguing a lot of these failed head coaches that ultimately get fired or have to move on is uh is kind of what the league has really been predicated on in this new era or this latest era or the era we're in right now is the fact that you need a starting quarterback that like you need your you need your franchise guy. Uh, Ron Rivera's had eight different starting quarterbacks for the Washington Commanders in the last three seasons, not good whatsoever. And I look back, um, that's something that's plagued Matt Rule. I mean, that's the ultimate finger pointing you can do right there is the fact he didn't find his guy quarterback. Um. To a certain extent, Frank Reich is another one. Couldn't find his uh, franchise guy there with the Colts. Among many other guys that you can mention or bring up there, Adam Gase is another one. Um, never mind the fact he's one of the worst head coaches ever, but quarterback position, uh, definitely something to point the finger at for why his tenure didn't work out. To a certain extent, I'll even say Brian Flores with the Dolphins. Do I feel like he needed to be fired? No, but... Uh, quarterback position was something very much in doubt even when Tua was there with Brian Flores. So it's something that has been a huge point of emphasis moving forward. And when you tend to find your franchise guy, you tend to be winning. Ron Rivera hasn't been doing that, and he's yet to find his guy. And it doesn't seem like that's going to change anytime soon here. I think it's time to make a change. I love Ron, but his conservative approach is very dated in today's NFL. No, it definitely is. And, um, you know, you mentioned the, it does kind of stink nowadays that just you finding the right quarterback kind of does determine whether or not yep. you're going to be a head coach. Um, whereas that should kind of more be, I guess, be on the GM. But then also it kind of almost seems like, you know, they expect the quarterback to be good and the head coach is supposed to make him good is kind of the way it seems. Yep. But, um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's kind of the world we live in nowadays. And, um, it's unfortunate for Ron, but who knows? I mean, they might not get rid of him. Obviously, there's a lot going on 
with that franchise right now. Yeah. And, you know, is Snyder going to sell the team? If so, obviously it's going to come down kind of what the new owner wants. So, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting. And the problem is, I think, with Washington right now is they're not bad enough to be bad. And they're just kind of stuck in purgatory, which it seems like they've kind of been stuck in purgatory really since they uh, last won the Super Bowl back in 91. Yeah. And uh, Ron Rivera, it's not for lack of trying. I mean, he took a chance on Dwayne Haskins, got a uh, rest of soul there. But um, that was a huge miss, let's face it. I mean, I hate to speak ill of the dead, but uh, Dwayne Haskins did not work out with the Washington Commanders. And that was first. That was kind of Ron Rivera's first big move there um, once he was, became head coach was to get a guy like Haskins, and it didn't work out. Uh, you bring in Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been a huge uh, disappointment so far. Um I, that's an understatement, quite frankly, and it seemed like he had a little bit of a commitment to Carson Wentz. We have seen, and it's been proven, Carson Wentz is what costs coaches' careers. I mean, can we stop giving that guy a chance? And then um, his conservative approach, the approach to bringing in guys like Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen that he's familiar with, guys that probably shouldn't be stars in this league that he constantly gives opportunities. And Heineke had his moments, but he's never looked like a superstar quarterback. Not, not, never whatsoever, not even resembling close to a starting quarterback, a guy that you could say down the line, oh, he might be one of the best of the best. No, nobody's ever said that about Heineke. The quarterback whiffs continue to plague Ron Rivera, and he's going to need lightning in a bottle here with Sam Howell, and I think that really depends on what his future of commanders is going to be moving forward is how well Sam Howell plays and if they're willing to give him another year with Howell, depending on this performance. Coming up, First, before we go to break, we do want to give away a Chico's $25 gift card. All you have to do is call in and be called number 5, 252-561-GAME, 252-561-4263. On the other side, we'll look at all the latest headlines in sports and much more and then get you set for ECU basketball between the UCF Knights. It all comes your way on the other side right here on the Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. If you want the best steak in Eastern North Carolina, then remember this name. The Seahorse Steakhouse, 2301A Stantonsburg Road in Greenville. They serve USDA prime ribeyes aged 50 days, cooked to perfection by Crystal. The Seahorse Grillmaster, guaranteed to be tender and juicy. The Saturday Night Prime Rib is an experience you'll never forget. It's the most flavorful, tender piece of beef you'll ever eat. Delicious is an understatement. You're sure to leave full and satisfied. But if you have room to spare, a generous slice of one of their homemade cakes will take care of that. So the next time you want a really good steak in a relaxed family atmosphere, remember the home of Daddy's Steaks and Mama's Cakes. The Seahorse Steakhouse, Stantonsburg Road, Greenville. Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color is hiring stylists. If you're driven, creative, and ready to make an impact, then we're looking for you. We offer competitive salaries, flexible schedules, and professional training with the newest technologies and equipment in the industry. Stop by your local Fantastic Sam's today and show us what you've got. Apply at locations in Goldsboro, Kinston, Greenville, Newburn, Moorhead City, Jacksonville, and Calabash. Fantastic Sam's. Real salon experience. Real savings. Real fantastic. Hi, Bobby. Hey, Sarah. The usual. 
This is the last time I'm coming here for coffee. I'm on a budget now. One sec. Cold brew for Blake? It's Jake from State Farm. Sarah, don't give up what you love. State Farm has policy options to get you a surprisingly great rate. Good. I need my iced oat milk latte with caramel and cinnamon on top. Girl, me too. For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. In a world where a single touch can threaten the surfaces of your home, there's Microband 24. Just one spray bites bacteria all day. Bacteria incoming. Shields up, defenders. When used as directed, Microband 24 Sanitizing Spray forms a defensive shield that keeps killing 99.9% of bacteria for up to 24 hours. Touch after touch. Threat eliminated. Microband 24. Don't just sanitize it. Microband it. Now spraying in a store near you. This is Tim Sutton with Greenville Auto World. When it comes to vehicle maintenance, we know you have a lot of options. It's hard to find a reliable and honest auto repair shop. That's where we come in. Greenville Auto World with a commitment to providing our customers with honest quality service at reasonable prices. Greenville Auto World has one of the most state-of-the-art repair facilities available in eastern North Carolina. Our technology, education, expertise provides you with the best care imaginable. For an appointment, call us at Greenville Auto World on Charles Boulevard at 364-8730. Get the latest on the East Carolina Pirates each day on the Patrick Johnson Show with our daily Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barnfoot in for the P-Man as he gets ready for the ESPN Plus broadcast. Between ECU and UCF, that comes away seven o'clock. ESPN Plus. They'll be joined by Brittany Hoyt. So I see more out. And stay tuned at six thirty. Your first option right here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates, is Jeff Charles. Will call his the thousandth ECU broadcast, along with Coach Michael Perry, with live play-by-play action and coverage between ECU and the UCF Knights in Minji's Coliseum. I understand that we have a uh, winner of the Chico's gift card. What's the name, Philip? Mike David. Are they on the line? Okay, Mike David's not on the line. Congratulations, Mike. Nonetheless, Les, thanks for listening. Enjoy some Chico's. Get a margarita for me. A um, couple quick headlines and news and notes. Um, out of the American in basketball later tonight at 7 o'clock, Tulane, who's 8-5 and five on the season and 1-1 one one in the American, hosts 4-9 Tulsa, who's winless in the American so far. Tulane heavily favored by 13.5 points with the over-under at 153. Also at 7 o'clock, South Florida, who's 7-7 and winless in the American as well, taking on 8-7 Temple, who was undefeated in the American at 2-0 and currently sits second in the American standings. USF, believe it or not, is favored by 1.5 with the over-under at 136. Yeah, if I'm a betting man, I'm taking Temple on that one. I'm taking that bet instantly. Yeah, the only thing is South Florida has played better of late. I know they are 0-2 in league play, but they started out playing horrendously and were better there in the month of December. I'm not sure who their two conference losses are. Um, I want to say they've played some of the better teams in the conference. but And they are at home tonight, but still a little surprising. You would expect uh, Temple to be a better team, especially I think Damian Dunn is expected to play. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's huge. Man, I wish this was a betting state. Moving on, um, quick news and notes from the NFL. Very interesting deal going on here. Apparently, the Dolphins are checking out as well. 
despite being on a five-game losing streak, I believe they still have a shot to make the playoffs. You would know this, Phillip. Yeah, they do. They can make the playoffs. Well, they're starting Skylar Thompson, or that seems to be the indication as he's getting first-team reps in practice. Skylar Thompson, uh, I believe a second-year quarterback. Did he go to Kent State or was it Kansas State? I always get those Kansas confused. State. Nonetheless, Skylar Thompson getting the start. Um, we know Tua has been concussion protocol as we speak. Um, and said so, uh, they say Bridgewater is able to perform ball handling drills, but is unable to throw the football after injuring his finger in Sunday's loss to the New England Patriots. So all signs and all indications tend to point to Skylar Thompson getting the start for the Dolphins and a go big or go home game for them in their uh, long shot to make the playoffs. So very interesting stuff there. A lot of teams checking out or in interesting dilemmas. Another one, and it goes back to our Carolina Panthers. Um, I'm not too sure how I felt about this, but I talked about this Monday. I could see Tepper like um, drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid and buying too much in this and thinking he made a home run higher. But he's in heavy talks with Jim Harbaugh to be our next head coach here with the Carolina Panthers. Early thoughts on that, Phillip? You know, in a way, it's always nice to have guys with experience. And uh, if he can go to a Super Bowl with, like you always brought up, a great defense and a heavy run game and a mediocre quarterback, that's what he did in San Francisco, and that's kind of been the identity of the Panthers. He does seem like a Panthers-type coach. Um, However, yeah, it would be kind of nice, like I was mentioning earlier with the commanders, it would be nice just to have some – a guy in there who's young, you know, new blood and uh, ready to build a big-time offense is what I'd prefer, but uh, I don't hate it. My problem with Jim Harbaugh is he was hired at Michigan to win national championships. He can't even do that. He can't even do his job in the college ranks. What makes you think he's going to turn around the NFL? Yeah, I guess, but it's so hard in college with only four teams in the playoff right now. I know the last yeah. two years he's gotten in, but you can really look at it that he's, he's only 0-2. Uh, and I know that's bad, but... It was so hard because back in the day they would lose to Ohio State and then they would, you know. But, and again, you got to be able to beat your rivals. So I get that. But uh, it's still a different game that there's guys who are successful in college, not in the NFL and vice versa. So I don't want to, you know, make his Michigan days totally have an effect on how I feel about him in the NFL. Most of the time I would agree with you if it was any other team, but it's Michigan. That is a marquee brand in college football and in college athletics as a whole. He's got all the resources. He gets the recruits. He gets the talent. Transportal is a huge advantage for him, especially in today's college football. And he's got the Jordan sponsorship. You got everything working in your direction. Uh, I would, I would, hey, I'm hot take here. Hot take here. Get ready to get pissed. I would consider his Michigan stint a huge failure, a huge failure, and a huge disappointment. I don't know if I'd go with huge failure. He was hired to win national championships. And just as recent as a couple years ago, he couldn't beat Ohio State. That was the big knock on him is that he he couldn't seem to get over that hump. Now he's just finally starting to do that. It feels like it's been 10 years. He's just now being able to beat Ohio State and just now being able to get in the college football playoffs. And he can't even beat TCU. Yeah, I'm going to go with it hasn't been a success, but I don't know if I'm going to throw the word huge in front of failure because at least he's gotten to the playoff twice. Yeah, it took a little longer than you'd wanted, but – like I said, there's only four teams, and uh, I don't know, man. It's just he's a great loser. Yeah, it's true. He's and, a great and, loser. You know, when Clemson is playing in the ACC and they go undefeated every year, yeah, during most of that stint, I mean, they're automatically going to take one of those spots. Obviously, SEC champions. You know, yep, it's not on paper, but they're guaranteed a spot. So, That's true. Yeah, you know, it's it's easier said than done to get in. Yeah, 
at the end of the day, I wouldn't hate it. I just, like you said, would prefer that next guy that kind of lead you in for the next couple of years, a guy that you can you think would stick around for a couple of years, uh, bring something new and innovative to the Panthers. But knowing the Panthers, we never get that guy. So it's just it's just that black cloud that plagues over us, and that black cloud is old uh, Uncle Dave there, Uncle David Tepper, who in his mind uh, is his, uh, he's, he's he's his biggest fan, his own personal biggest fan. Um, and he is going to be celebrating and pop a bo- popping bottles after this one like he made a home run higher. Last time he had his wife, uh, Matt Rule's wife, make him some meatballs. So I wonder if he's going to make Jim Harbaugh's wife make. What do they eat up there in Michigan? I don't you know. You would know. I don't know. Yeah, they probably, 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 they probably just get brats from Wisconsin. They probably just eat garbage off the streets. Oof. Yeah, that's yeah, probably true. Michigan they probably drink dirty state. Yeah, drink f- dirty Flint water. And uh, eat garbage off the streets of Detroit. Um, well, that's going to do it for the latest headlines throughout the NFL. Well, hey, and sports going in back, general. going back to the Dolphins, they had just signed uh, Mike Glennon as their potential backup for this week. Jesus. I know that was rebounding, but I just saw Jesus. it just popped up. They have signed Matt Glennon. Uh, if if Bridgewater can't go as the backup, Mike Glennon, he's still around. I didn't know he was either. Oh, all right. Well, I'll end it on a good note. I just saw this. Jaquan McMillan, former Pirate Lockdown Corner, has been activated to the uh, active roster for the Denver Broncos. Maybe we'll see him get some playing time. Who knows? There you go. I love it. Love Can't be any it. worse than what the, the product the Broncos have put on the field this year. Yeah. We get Jaquan McMillan. NC State's got Mike Glennon and Russell Wilson. We Oof. get Zay Jones. There you go. Hey, Zay Jones had a McMillan. good year. Yeah, we're balling. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. ECU on the uptick. Take that, State. All right. We're here for Coach Michael Perry. Get you ready for ECU, UCF. All that and much more here on the other side. This quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Chico's Mexican Restaurant is where the fiesta never ends. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's every Wednesday for shrimp tacos for $11.99. Plus, Wednesdays means all Mexican imports for just $2.99. Thursdays, enjoy your favorite beef, chicken, or vegetable fajitas for only $11.99. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's Mexican Restaurant in downtown Greenville and online at chicosrestaurant.com. Chico's, where the fiesta never ends. about you, your family, and the health of all who live in Eastern North Carolina. This is about the transformation of a health system into something more powerful and more human, about creating new ways to treat disease and keep you well. This is about ECU Health, which is to say, it's really all about you. ECU Health, minds, hearts, purpose. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville and Newbern is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs. Whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at roebuckstaffing.com. I'm Tim Sutton from Greenville Auto World. 
trucks, 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 two-wheel drives, four-wheel drive, extended cabs, crew cabs, you name it, we have it. Late model, low mileage, all brands. 15 lenders to choose from for all of your financing options. Plus, we customize tires, rims, lift kits on site, no matter how large or small the job is. For an appointment, call us at Greenville Auto World on Charles Boulevard at 364-8730. This is Pirate Quarterback Holt Nailers. Dogwood State Bank is changing the landscape of community banking. That term community banking is not just a catchy slogan for Dogwood State Bank. They really are redefining what it means to bank local. Big banks may want big business, but Dogwood State Bank wants your business no matter what size. At Dogwood, your business is big business. Come to Dogwood and you'll see the difference. Dogwood State Bank with offices in Greenville, Moorhead City, Wilmington, Raleigh, Sanford, and Charlotte. And yes, they are pirates. It's time to travel again, and it's time to enjoy the convenience of flying from Pitt-Greenville Airport. Reservations are available now at AA.com. Whether you're flying for business or leisure, Pitt-Greenville Airport and American Airlines can get you to Charlotte and then anywhere on the map. You can't beat the convenience of parking right next to the terminal and the short lines at ticketing and security. For your next trip, check out the great rates offered at AA.com and support your local Pitt-Greenville Airport. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. We leave no warrior behind. Wounded Warrior Project is a nonprofit organization created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war. Whether those scars are physical or mental, we're here to make sure that they heal. And whether it's helping those with post-traumatic stress disorder live a normal life again, or giving much-needed support to injured warriors and veterans' hospitals, because no one deserves our help more than the men and women who risk their lives to keep us safe. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within, over enemies of fear, enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. 
Promises to one's community. Healthy people move debris out of their house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise of battles won. WRHTHD1, Farmville, Washington, Greenville. Crystal clear FM Sports Talk 24 7, 365. Unless we forget to pay the power bill. 943, the game. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Good to be Baby Bomb filling in for the PM. I'm joined by a special guest you hear on the ECU Sports Radio Network with the voice of the Pirates, Jeff Charles. On the basketball call, Coach Michael Perry. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. All is well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Coach. Well, the Pirates are coming off a big win against Wichita State on the road. Pirates have never previously beat Wichita State, and then you beat them in one of the premier venues in the AAC at Wichita. That's the one that's got to give you a huge confidence boost moving forward in the AAC. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can build upon that. and um, But again, it's short-lived in this league because you can't you can't enjoy your work too too long because yep. you got another tough opponent coming quickly. So it, it, it's good and bad. You get a chance to enjoy it, but then you have to start preparing for the other team because you can't rest on on that success too long because you got another opponent who's coming in who's very good. Absolutely. And just one more thing on that game. When you look at that game, what are some of your biggest takeaways? I know the Pirates coming in had really struggled with free throw shooting and they're really cleaning it up in that game. That was one of my big takeaways. What were some other things you kind of noticed in that game that really stood out? Well, well, well first of all, on the free throw shooting, I, so much was made of the free throw shooting because of the Temple game. Yep. But prior to the Temple game, you look at the entire body of work from the free throw line for the Pirates. They've been shooting the free throws extremely well. Yep. I mean, it was basically a weapon for them. Um, they were shooting you know, 70 plus percent, which is excellent. And um, it had become a weapon for them. And um, so it was somewhat of a nominee against Temple. Uh, but it was a lot of talk and conversation about it, obviously, because it was a close game. And uh, had they made the free throws, that's the first thing that people uh, certainly uh, turned to look at. But it wasn't something that I thought, you know, it was going you know, to be sustainable in terms of them not shooting free throws well. Yeah. I just looked at it more as a hiccup. And they came back and responded well and shot the ball consistently well against Wichita State, how they've been doing all season. So look at the entire body of work. But I think the other thing that stood out to me was Wichita State uh, was without one of their best players. And I don't want to make Wichita State seem like they're top level. They're a good basketball team. Yeah. Maybe they're not a great basketball team. They're not top 25, top 10 like they used to be, but they're still a really good basketball team. And one of the better defensive teams in the country, they were holding their opponents to like 37 38% field goal percentage shooting, which is a winning number. And, the, and they were also holding teams to about 59 points a game. The Pirates went in there and scored 80. I mean, that, that's, that's yeah. what really was, was really striking to me. They scored 80 points on a team that was giving up 59. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I always put it, Wichita State, even when they're not at their best, are always very competitive. And uh, I think that's definitely a win to celebrate, you know, regardless of whether they're an NCAA tournament team or not. Uh, it's a great win for a young team that we have right now in the Pirates in the first year of a rebuild under Mike Schwartz. But looking ahead, 
the UCF, obviously the big headline coming into this game, Brandon Suggs, former Pirate, on that team, coming off the bench for most of the year. Um, when you're a former player who's played with a guy like that and you're coming into this game playing one of your former teammates, uh, is your experience as a coach and a player, do players tend to buy into that a little bit too much or is it just kind of let's just focus on the task at hand and move forward or is that the nature of college basketball today where you're going to have to deal with that? I think that uh, in both cases, I think some of the guys that are here, that remain here, are probably anxious to show him uh, how much they've improved and how much better they are. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of that as a player. Yeah. I think as a player, I think there's a little extra added incentive um, when you go back to another uh, another place, another home court that you used to be a part of, that you want to you, you want you want to you show well. You want to actually kind of uh, at least give the impression that I made I made the right decision and, mm-hmm. and, and it's reflected in my play. So sometimes both parties have a tendency to put a little pressure on themselves. So I'm sure there've been some conversations on both coaches' staff. Uh, about just approaching it uh, in a business-like manner, and uh, and allow yourself to lose yourself in the game, and you know, and just you know, just play basketball and not think about all the other stuff on the peripheral. Absolutely, and when you look at UCF, um, I'm not necessarily saying they're a bad team. There, they've been really good so far, have ten wins on the season. But when you look how this team's kind of been constructed, it really caught my attention uh, under Johnny Dawkins. Really built around two really good freshmen, and then you see a lot of senior transfers that they picked up in the portal this year. When you look at UCF, what's been the big takeaway, and what's going to kind of be the uh, scattering report on the Knights coming into this game? Well, like every team, it seems like seemingly every game this year when I start looking at, uh, at, at these teams and I'm dissecting them and, and doing all of my analytical stuff, I mean – it's just a, it's just amazing to me. Three and four starters on every team seem to be guys out of the transfer portal, first year guys, and and they've got three starters that are you know transfer you know, uh, and and they're, and they're big time players. I mean they're contributors. You know one from Pitt, yep. uh, one from um, Indiana, and I think the other I remember the other school the other ones from. But I mean outstanding. I think UMass outstanding players uh, that are interjected into the lineup. They had the kid. Uh, Johnson, who was one of the better freshmen in the league last year, uh, his dad, I know well, he played at University of Richmond, <clears throat> and I was his player host, Kelvin Johnson, and um, he was a really highly thought of in regard to recruit that they got because his dad uh, was on the coaching staff. He was a four-star. He had a really good year last year, mm-hmm. hurt the Pirates um, uh, here last year at home. And, uh, and then the other one is the outstanding freshman that they've got who's um, maybe a strong candidate for freshman of the year. And Absolutely. so they've got an outstanding team, but you, 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 they've added three transfers and an elite-level freshman who's like a five-star recruit. So really, really talented. Brandon Suggs, who's a really, really good player, as we know, who's coming off the bench for him, averaging about 20 minutes a game. So they've got a really good basketball team. they got some depth, and uh, they got a lot of weapons, three-point shooting, uh, athleticism. And they're also defending it at a extremely uh, high level. I mean, it's holding teams to 38% shooting. And not to get over-analytical, but just when you look at – you go across the country and you look at the top teams in the league, they're typically holding teams under 40% field goal percentage. When you look at the teams yeah. in the Final Four, I mean, all those guys are holding teams in the 30s. 
So when you see a team just holding teams to 30%, I mean, under 40%, you know you got a really good basketball team. And they're coming in here holding opponents to 38 point, 38% uh, field goal percentage shooting. Absolutely. And I think Johnny Dawkins, one of the better coaches in the conference as well. Obviously, you got Sampson, Ron Hunter, among many others. But it's a very well-coached conference here in the American, and uh, that's been kind of something I've been noticing here as the basketball season's going on. Last time I talked to you, Ezra was just starting to kind of come into his own. Now he's looking like one of the better freshmen in the conference among a very good freshman class in the American. Um, Ezra's had put together a good string of games. When you have a guy like that, along with we know we have R.J. Felton, Javon Small, we know what Brandon Johnson can be when he's able to stretch the floor like that last game against Wichita State. When you have a freshman like Ezra Zaru who comes in, he's putting up great numbers and able to contribute, and he's now being mindful of his foul trouble and whatnot, and everything's really coming together. That's got to be an X factor in this ECU offense that can uh, – prevail very well and do you a lot of good once you get into the conference play. seems like everything's clicking at the right moment here early in conference play with now Ezra Zars a development here for this ECU basketball program. I, I think I think it's been a pleasant surprise. I, I, I knew the staff, you know, knew, obviously you know, they knew he was a good player, but I think yep. he's progressing and trending. Uh, his trajectory is, is, is taking off and he's, he's trending in the right direction. And probably earlier than maybe they anticipated, and uh, he has quickly become a guy that they feel confident in throwing the ball uh, into the paint with him. And uh, I'm not sure at the start of the season that they thought that was something that, as a team, that could be a strength for theirs that they could actually throw the ball inside uh, to someone and expect something to happen consistently. He has become that. Uh, and, and, and BJ Brandon Johnson. Uh, Depending on the matchup, he also has been able to deliver in the paint. Yep. Uh, obviously, the three-point shooting has been a plus as well, but he's been able to score the ball in the paint as well. And then he's been able to score the ball, both of them, off of offensive rebounds. So typically, when you get an offensive rebound, you're in close quarters and you've got guys smothering, uh, smothering all over you. And those guys have been able to get up and get and get good finishes or get fouled. So the activity, uh, the, act, uh, the athleticism of Ezra, and being able, he's so explosive, he's been able to really bigger post. He's been able to face them up and explode by them. Um, so he, he, he's been able to score it in a lot of different ways. He goes under the basket. He uses the rim uh, to protect them uh, against shot blockers. He's got a craftiness that's well beyond his years. I completely agree. I've been saying it all year. I think Ezra's got the potential well, not the potential. We know he can be that type of guy where you look back and you're like, man, how are we able to get this guy? It sounds bad to say, but it's much like a Jaden Garner or Tristan Newton. How was this guy overlooked, and how's he playing now at ECU? We're lucky to have a guy like this. Uh, but anyways, ECU yeah, Sports absolutely. Radio Networks. Oh, sorry, Coach. What were you saying? No, I was just saying absolutely. I mean, you, you just – Regardless of how it gets you, you're just happy that he's here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just loving it loving it right now, especially in now's age with the transfer portal. I'm just enjoying it while we got it. But ECU Sports Radio Network's Mike, Coach Michael Perry with us here. He'll be on the call here coming up at 630 right here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates, 94 through the game with the voice of the Pirates. Jeff Charles, as he gets you set for ECU versus UCF and Menji's Coliseum. One more quick question for Coach here. Keys to the game tonight against UCF. Well, continue what you did on the road. Uh, you know, when you can have a game where you have single-digit turnovers, you only get nine turnovers, that's a winning number. That's a number that usually 
allows you to have an opportunity to win basketball games. You know, free throw shooting, I mean, outstanding again. Free throws and, 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 and not turning the basketball over, those are keys every night. And they shot almost 90%, the 87% from the free throw line against Wichita State. So continue those two things, continue to uh, execute offensively against a team that you're probably going to have to try to execute later in the shot clock against because they're so sound defensively. And then you, get, and then you, get, you, know, you cannot allow easy transition baskets because they've got great team speed. And you got to be able to, uh, you know, rebound the basketball. And it's something the Pirates were able to do successfully against um, Wichita State, who's a really good um, rebounding team. Central Florida will be the same. Coach, appreciate it. Good luck on the call tonight, bud. All right. Take care now. Coach Michael Perry here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Really good stuff. He's an analyst, and he'll be on the call on the ECU Sports Radio Network coming up at 630 and he has the privilege to join Jeff Charles, the voice of the Pirates, on his 1,000th ECU broadcast. So stay tuned for that right here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Coming up on the other side of this quick timeout, we'll take a look and a deeper dive at UCF as we get you set for live play-by-play action between the Knights and the Pirates right here on 94.3 The Game. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. I'm with my health insurance agent, Bill Jenkins. Bill is an employee benefit specialist and life insurance agent from Town Insurance. Bill, give us an update on Town Insurance here in North Carolina. Town Insurance is a top insurance and employee benefits agency in North Carolina and ranks in the top 50s nationwide. We have primary offices in Greenville, Kinston, Wilmington, Raleigh, and now Charlotte. And Bill, what are areas Town Insurance specializes in? With our experienced account management team, we specialize in employee benefits, including group medical, dental, life, vision, disability, and voluntary options for employees. We compare these options with several of the best carriers in the market and assist businesses on benefit administration, as well as employee education and enrollments. And how can a business best contact you to review their employee benefits program? Give us a call, 252-756-8300. Call today as the best time is now to come to town. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville and Newburn is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs. Whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at roebuckstaffing.com. It's time to travel again, and it's time to enjoy the convenience of flying from Pitt-Greenville Airport. Reservations are available now at aa.com. Whether you're flying for business or leisure, Pitt-Greenville Airport and American Airlines can get you to Charlotte and then anywhere on the map. You can't beat the convenience of parking right next to the terminal and the short lines at ticketing and security. For your next trip, check out the great rates offered at aa.com and support your local Pitt-Greenville Airport. Airport. If you've been injured in an accident and need cash now before your case settles, Oasis Financial can help. Last month, Oasis helped over 3,000 people. Why not you? If you have an attorney, call Oasis Financial today at 877-266-9107. 
It takes just three minutes to apply. And once you're approved, get $500 to $100,000 of your settlement in as little as 24 hours with no risk to you. That's right. Get $500 to $100,000 within one day. If you lose your case, you don't have to pay Oasis back ever. So call Oasis today to see if you qualify at 877-266-9107. That's 877-266-9107. Call Oasis today at 877-266-9107. Oasis is currently not providing legal funding in Arkansas, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, North Dakota, or West Virginia. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Ben B. Baby Barm here to wrap it up as the P-Man will be on the ESPN Plus broadcast between ECU and UCF at Midgets Coliseum tonight. That comes your way at 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus. We'll be joined by Brittany Hoyt. No Sassy more tonight. And be sure to stay tuned at 6.30 coming up here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates, as Jeff Charles will call his 1,000th ECU broadcast with Coach Michael Perry, the analyst we just heard from earlier here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Built the ref Pilkington on the ones and twos and taking a look at this matchup later tonight between ECU and the UCF Knights. UCF kind of been a surprise out of the Americans so far. They have the 37th best strength of schedule in the country. A lot of that coming due to non-conference play as UCF really had a tough go, tough go get some really good teams. Uh, they opened their season with a loss to UNC Asheville, which is a huge surprise to many, and then played Florida State. Oklahoma State, Miami, Mississippi, Missouri. So no easy go when it comes to the UCF Knights and their non-conference schedule facing some very, very tough teams. And when you look at their roster, it's been a very interesting built roster when it comes to Johnny Dawkins' team here. Um, It's really been based around two young guys on this UCF roster. Between Taylor Hendricks, the freshman forward, 6'9", out of Fort Lauderdale, he's averaging 14.8 points, 6.7 rebounds, and a little over assists. One of the best freshmen in the conference, a guy that you definitely need to keep an eye on coming in tonight. And then they have a sophomore in Darius Johnson, the 6'1 guard from Maryland. He's averaging 12.3, 3.4 rebounds, and 4.4 assists. They've really been the dynamic duo for UCF here in this early go of the season. And then the man that we cannot forget to mention who's making his big return to Minji's Coliseum tonight has mainly been coming off the bench but been a very productive six-man coming off the bench. And 6'6 forward Brandon Suggs, the senior, coming from ECU. He's averaging 7.1 point, 3.5 rebounds, and a little over assist coming off the bench for the Knights. A couple of other notable names is the senior transfers. Ithel Horton, 10.9 point, 3.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists. And then the senior guard, C.J. Kelly, a very lengthy guard, six foot five, ten point seven rebounds, four point one rebounds, or ten point seven points, four point one rebounds, 
and 2.4 assists. Going to be a tough go against this Knights team that's 10-4 so far on the season and 1-1 one and one in conference play. Uh, they've already lost this year to Houston in their most recent go. Of course, Houston, the third-ranked team in the country, only losing that game 71-65 to on the road. So the Knights really giving Houston a tough go and uh, just showing that this conference is really, really tough so far this year. Interesting stat that stands out here for the UCF Knights. They have the 19th best defense in the country in terms of points allowed, only allowing teams to score 60.4 points on average against the Knights. So a very well-coached defensive unit with Johnny Dawkins there. When you look at the field goal percentage that they've allowed for most teams, um, looking at their opponents, uh, they've held their opponents to 38.7% from the field. That's good enough for 23rd best in the country when it comes to defensive uh, field goal percentage there. So the Pirates are going to have their work cut out for them on the offense. It'll be interesting to see if Mike Schwartz makes any adjustments from that end when this team's very defensive-based. Uh, he believes in the philosophy that defense will breed a good offense, and we'll see if that philosophy will continue and carry over into tonight. Speaking of the Pirates, two guys that have really emerged in the last couple of games, Brandon Johnson, the sophomore forward, and Ezra Azar, the freshman forward, um, really have done very well here in this recent stretch of games. So far on the season, Brandon Johnson averaging 12.9 points, the second leading scorer for these parts, which may come as a surprise because we always think R.J. Felton and Javon Small are kind of the dynamic duo. Brandon Johnson actually the second leading scorer, so interesting to see there. Averaging 12.9 points, 9.6 rebounds, so nearly averaging a double-double with 2.1 assists so far on the season. And then Ezra, the tail of the tape on him, 8.8 of points, averaging 3.8 rebounds and 0.4 assists as a freshman as he's really solidified himself in that starting rotation and had a really good recent stretch of games. Pirates struggled going into that Wichita State game when it came to shooting free throws, but have really bounced back in the last game, shooting a little over 80%. We'll see if that carries over into this game. And uh, the Pirates are really going to have to limit and really pick their shots and take smart shots against a defensive unit that's really limited people from the three-point range and from when it comes to just general field goal shooting in general. Looking at the numbers here for UCF and their three-point shooting, they limit their opponents to 30% from three. That's good enough for 75th in the country or the 75th best in the country. Um, so a very good defensive unit there, especially from beyond the arc. Pirates have been on and off from beyond the arc. It all depends on Brandon Johnson, who has showcased his ability at times to really stretch the floor as a forward. And when he's able to do that, we've seen how dynamic this offense can be. Um, just taking a look back at Wichita State, scoring 79 against another team out of the American that was a really good defensive unit. And then one stat that really stands out that Phillips brought to my attention is uh, the fact that they uh, don't commit a lot of fouls. Phillip, take it away. Yeah, they're uh, top 100 in the country and playing disciplined basketball on the defense side of things. So you mentioned all these things, low field goal percentage. You know, that stuff's great, but some teams allow low field goal percentages because they just, you know, teams get high-quality looks and they just hack them. They're only committing 15.4 fouls per game, and opponents are only attempting uh, 15.4 free throws per game. That's 83rd best in the country, so it's not phenomenal, but it's about top quarter in the country. So we're going to have to make do with those limited free throw attempts is that we get and realize that, you know, just because we might get a high percentage look, they're not going to give us, you know, a chance. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, despite these uh, recent outings before the Wichita State game, 
Pirates really made their money from the uh, free throw line in terms of uh, their free throws attempted per game. They would get a, on average 15.7. Maybe that's because they have struggled recently. Teams are a little bit more willing to commit fouls. We'll see if that carries over UCF and they change up their game plan here. But uh, nonetheless, um, that's going to be something that's going to be a huge point of emphasis coming into this game. But look at, when I look at the keys of the game here between ECU and UCF, it's just taking smart shots. I think at times, um, especially early in the season, and at times a little bit here recently, parts are a little con- inconsistent on the offensive end when it comes to really what's the tempo when it comes to this Pirate team. That's still something that's kind of hard to figure out and hard to argue whether they're a really fast tempo or they like to slow the game down and pick their shots because we've seen both. We've seen both sometimes in different halves in the same game. So it's going to be interesting to see that. I would like them to see them slow the game down and really find a shot, find somebody who's got an open look, and really be smart with their shot selection tonight. And I think that'll be a huge key to the game tonight against these this UCF Knights squad that's had a really good start to their season so far. Well, the number one thing that it seems that is not happening when this offense is struggling is ball movement. Yep. And I think when you slow the game down, like you were mentioning, that's when you have better ball movement. Because Absolutely. when you play fast, even though you might have a couple quick passes, it's not always good ball movement. And then it still seems to you know, be followed by a quick shot. And Coach Schwartz talked about it earlier in the season. When the ball sticks, we struggle. And then he talked about it with Jeff Charles after last game. He talked about those first four minutes of the second half. Jeff asked him, what's the issue? And he said the ball was sticking to these guys' hands, have to have better ball movement. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's really how the college game has been. We've seen teams that have tried to kind of adopt the up-tempo style, but usually the teams that get really deep in the tournament are the teams that really just are very, how do we put it? They're not very. Uh... Well, everything is done with purpose. Yeah, when absolutely. teams move too fast, sometimes they're, they're not moving selfish. just to move. Yeah, they're not selfish. Yeah. When teams move too fast, they're moving just for the sake of moving. When teams move slower, it seems like there's more flow. There's more consistency. And those are the teams that get quality looks and therefore advance farther in, in the NCAA tournament. And I would argue when you play up-tempo, usually you go to one or two guys. You know who you need to hone in on if you're the uh, if you're the opponent against an up-tempo team. When you have a team that plays very slow, you know, they're picking their shots, they're having smart shot selection, they're moving the ball around and demonstrating great ball movement. You can't really game plan for one set guy because everybody's getting a shot and everybody's being willing to take shots. So that's definitely going to be huge. Stay tuned on the other side of this quick timeout. Coming up at 6.30, Jeff Charles, the voice of the Pirates, his 1,000th ECU broadcast. Coach Michael Perry will lead you in the play-by-play action between ECU and the UCF Knights and Midgies Coliseum. Special thanks to Felder Ref Pilkington. Chris Cook and Patrick Johnson here. I was your host, Ben B. Baby Byram, right here on the Patrick Johnson Show, 94 through the game. Flagship Stacey, the ECU Parts.